Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Hey, we got a great spy novel to talk about today. Our true spy spies novel. Espionage at its finest. Yeah, man. I.S. Barry. People have been recommending this one to us for a while. Yep. We put a little patron plug here because if you want to sign up to be a part of our, our Patreon, become a patron, you can uh, partake in and quickly read this book and partake in our book club, which we're going to be covering it, what, coming up here soon, right, Mike? I think mid-March we decided on a date. So, yeah, we'd love for you to be involved. All our patrons are invited to a private book club hangout with us. Yeah, so this one was put up again. I'm two for two. <laughs> now that I'm cooking the books, because I can't even vote for my own uh, my own submission. But yeah, uh, so I, I and I, I think you know right off the gate, we're gonna have to tailor our expectations again, and I think we're gonna have to tailor them just like we did for my last book club submission for the spy who came in from the cold. Right. Obviously, this is not that you know early spy fiction type writing style but it 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 is heavy in the prose so it kind of like has that in common but also i would put this in the same category as you know damascus station like the, sure. the this this idea of very limited action it's 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 a, a little bit of a slow burn in the beginning ultimately like culminating you know with this like mad dash sort of cut back and forth like I, at times because I, I was doing the audiobook i don't know if it was easier if you were actually reading it like I was a little bit confused, like where we are, because I, I feel like even mid chapter, she, she'll mm. cut between like current day to, you know, the trip that he went on. And, you know, we're, we're going to get into all that. But yeah, if you were going into this novel expecting to read a gray man, a Vince Flint, you know, like a that kind of thriller, like mm-hmm. it, it's not that. It's not a Jack Carr novel. It's not, you know, it's not a Brad Thorne novel. It, it's its own thing. And I think. You know, paying homage to, you know, true spycraft. You know, it's it, it's. I thought it was really good, but I'm interested to get your take on because we ha- we have not, besides like a, a few mild texts, we have not talked about it. Yeah, I, I don't really know your thoughts on this one. It's it sounds very high, and I'll 100 percent agree with your take. This is up there with Damascus Station in terms of modern day espionage writing. It's written by insiders. Let's. Shout out I.S. Barry for her service as a CIA officer. Mm -hmm. I don't know at what level or whatnot, but she did serve in Bahrain and the Middle East. So I just think that informs her writing so clearly here and is perhaps the best part of the book to me is how you can develop the landscape. And I don't mean the landscape, just the physical setting. But the landscape of running in these circles, the, the high society of expats. Mm-hmm. In the Middle East. Something we haven't seen before. No, exactly. While at the same time running in the slums. And, and we hear Shane Collins, the main character, talking about how he is, he is the slums. You know, he's embraced the country and the culture so much. But at the same time, his, his main informant, Rashid, tells him, you know, even I can't protect you here. So Shane feels he's part of the country. It means so much to him and his time served there. Yet he is an outsider and he, he's running in both worlds. And I think it's really exciting that this character, Elmisa, this woman, it seems to be this allure of drawing these worlds together for him. And, and he maybe can vision a future for himself that he otherwise never could caught between, you know, all these different lives that he's lived. And I, I think that part of it is amazingly real. It's incredible prose. I know you said this, Chris, just in terms of fiction, in terms of a novel, I can absolutely see this deserving all the plaudits it's getting. It's been on so many lists. I think on her website, it's listed as a New York Times best book of the year, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of other uh, major lists like that, an NPR best book of the year, New Yorker best book of the year. That was it. Edgar Award nominee for the Mystery Writers of America. I think in so many ways, it's absolutely deserving of all that. Yet at the same time, for our particular audience and our particular palette for books, it falls short in other ways. So I think, again, on the podcast and in our book club with the patrons, we're caught between two genres, caught, caught between two worlds. But the same way you recommended The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, and it hit on so many levels for what it did in its own right, 
it needs to be applauded for that. Yet to a modern reader, some of our some of our patrons and friends, it wasn't one of the easiest books to access or get into. I think some could say that about this one. You could you could raise this as an amazing piece of fiction and literature. Was I looking for a little more action? Yeah. Was I looking for a little more suspense? Yes. Was something really? about the pacing? Okay. There's something about the pacing, and I don't want to get into the nitpicks yet. It will come up. Something about the pacing, as you hinted at, that didn't – it kept my attention in terms of me wanting to know more about the plot, and it unveiled things slowly, and, and I appreciate it for that slow burn. But there were times that things I think could have been more dramatically revealed or involved instead of just passed off. Mm. And and another piece of that, which I want to get your thoughts on, is the decision to tell this in first person. Well, mm. What did you think? Because we saw that done a few ways. One was Don Bentley's Matt Drake series. And in that, you can capture a thriller. It, it's not an espionage, slow burn kind of spies book. But you can capture the action of a thriller while you're also getting the psychology of the main character here i think we leaned a little heavy on the psychology of the main character at the expense of some of the dynamics action suspense of the plot yeah well i guess it's probably like it fits with like one of the my first points i was going to make so one i think two of the best parts of this novel are you've already mentioned the first one is bahrain which is is a country we've we haven't been to yet in any of our novels we've read. And, you know, I probably say this too much, but I feel like, you know, Bahrain was a character in this novel. Came alive. And you could obviously tell that Barry cared about, you know, she, she cared about getting that right. And I yep. felt immersed. And like you said, I, I didn't even, it's not like I felt like the immersed in the physical setting. I felt immersed, you know, because like, I, yeah, I've been alive during Aaron Spring, but I, I, it was at a time where I was in college and I wasn't really reading I wasn't, I was a dumb senior in college. My right. my goal was to try to figure out when I was getting my next 30 rack on Friday, you know, from like, I wasn't <laughs> thinking about geopolitics. Like, like, like I am reading the news now and like, you know, whatever. So going back and reading this and then having me want to go, then I then read up and, and, and started reading all about Arab Spring and different things. Cause I was like, Oh, is this real? And then I had to, I had to like realize that, Oh, she is placing, this is like an alternative fiction. Right, not a real thing because the air spring actually never really kicked off in Bahrain like how how it it's depicted here. But that being said, great job with Bahrain and and and, and I love I love I, more things should be there like and like you said there's this there's expat it's funny because there's this TV series on I think it's Amazon it's it's called Expats and it's all about really uh, like expats spy in in Hong Kong uh, mm. and it kind of like delves with that you know upper crust society, you know, this uh, diplomat, diplomat's son, sons of diplomats. But the second thing I was going to bring up that you, you talked about is the, the narrator and that's, that's Collins. And it's interesting that we, she decides to make this, the main character, he, he's not Mitch Rapp. He's not James Reese. Oh God, no. He's, he's not even smiley. He's, he's not smiley. He's not, who's the, Who's the main character in um, Damascus Station? Yeah, this is Shane Collins, though. Like he's he's definitely establishing himself he, there. I feel like she's pulling on tropes, but at the same time, weaving them together to make a man who is more than just the tropes. You pull on them, but you create a personality that basically well, we he's also, his own person. Well, we also have an unreliable narr- narrator. Exactly. That's fun. Because it, it's very fun because in the beginning – yeah, he's down on his luck, divorced, alcoholic. Well, you can like the alcoholism it's is hinted. like there. It's right. hinted, and then it it you it completely takes you completely see how the yeah. entire time he's just been drunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like this that, is like fear like, and loathing in, in Las Vegas. You know, that <laughs> slow <laughs> the slow dive into like you, you, the, the reader's realization of that. Yeah, I think allows you to call into question everything earlier in the novel like so what true. he's what he's telling to us but at the same time he's he's being a good spy like in in the sense that like he's picking up on things like he immediately picks up on the bombs like you know he, he knows something's there he has this inner workings that he he thinks something's up with uh the admiral something something doesn't, doesn't yep. sit right with him so yeah he like has some credentials but he's like this washed up has been 
put out to pasture spy it reminds me have you watched the show slow horses no on uh on apple tv no is it gary oldman speaking of george Smiley? but it's about like essentially all these mi6 has-beens but they're actually like they're good for some Mm. reason they you know alcohol drugs relationship whatever but here you have this you know this guy who's you know on his last tour but in the beginning, he sort of props himself up that he, you know, he is a good spy. He even met, like I think physically says it in his head. He like, says it the whole I, time. Like I am a good spy. Like yeah. I, I did this. When and then that completely gets turned around on its end when you realize he was played the whole time. He was played. He was the entire time. He, so is the he an anti-hero? Time. Is that what you would call this? I feel like it's defying the traditional literary devices of main character protagonist hero's journey you know the joseph campbell stuff this is completely under it's pulling the rug out from that and saying this main guy is essentially a bum he's delusional and you're not gonna see that until basically his life's work comes crumbling down but he can't even see that it's crumbling down and he's gonna write it off all the reasons I was good at my job, I did the right thing, I, I I chose a side, I made the moral decision. Does he even grapple with what just as he says, being a mule, you know, moving these goods eventually from Cambodia? He rationalized it so much to himself and the audience. I don't know what we're supposed to do with that. I, like, and maybe that's the point. Yeah. I feel like he's an anti he's closer to an anti-hero than a traditional hero or protagonist. But I still I don't I don't know how to classify who Collins is and what he's doing in this story. In some ways, Rashid is the traditional the hero, hero. Like hero, yeah, or Junaid or or Elmisa. And then to learn because each of those characters strikes you as more competent when you're dealing with them. Definitely, they strike you as more devout, you know, devoted to their cause. They strike you as better intelligence officers and or. Uh, spies if you will Th- they just seem better than collins at everything yet the whole time we the reader are, are like thinking he's the best and he's running sure. the show yeah because he's telling us it, because he's telling us he is and so that unreliable narrator while that narrator is a, i don't even know if anti-hero is the right word but totally unique and for those reasons i think it keeps you invested in the story without needing the whiz bang and that's that's it's very cerebral when you get down to it and it doesn't come off that way at first but it's secretly no. cerebral it, it it comes off as it's it's going to be like all right this guy's washed up but he's going to have like one one last thing he's going to uncover he's going to have a moment he's going to yeah. uncover some big plot yeah. in the government he's going to stop like end up saving the day yeah but at the, like you said at the end you have to grapple with the fact that like he is justifying he's looking back and there, there's even like a point early on because like right we're essentially being told this story from him after it's all happened. I don't know That's if you picked true. up on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because there, there's some times where he even says he calls her Almisa, but he's not even sure if that's her actual name. Like, oh, I guess like in in the moment he wouldn't have questioned it. In the moment he says like when he's saying that he's like I don't know if that's her actual name, and I was just like I was thinking I, this is before I realized that one he's a drunk and two that he she was a spy. So like, obviously yeah. that's why he's saying that's not her real name. Like, could that be her real name? But I yeah. just thought like, Oh, he, he, he is so, it was so wrapped up in love for her. He doesn't even like, can't even remember like what her real name is. That's like that scene where he says, you know, it was then that she deceived me, but we don't go back and see the deception. Mm. And, you know, it was like, you know, at that moment, everything went wrong. And, and this was the start of what would unravel. But those little drops aren't actually happening. Like you expected the next chapter to follow up with, okay, what unraveled? Okay, what was the deception? And we don't realize that till later. It's because he knew it. He he was the the narrator. He was omniscient about everything because it was his ex- own experience. But while he's telling it to you, he already knows the ending. Mm-hmm. It's, really, it's really trippy. And how can you as a reader classify him as a hero when – he fails at everything. He's the reason yeah, why yeah. in this, in this alternative history, he's the reason why the president dies. The, the, the emperor, whatever, uh, I guess he the kills president, the king right? because he's the one who 
brings the poison over. Dude, that he does everything. To, that he leads frees to Junaid. a bunch of de- a bunch of deaths. He's the one who frees Junaid. He's the he's, one. He's the, the the hinge pin of everything. He doesn't even realize that uh, Rashid was the one who planted the bombs in the beginning. Yeah. He doesn't even realize that he oh he gets all those Americans killed in yeah. with the with Almisa's suicide attack suicide bomb. Yeah. All those Americans killed when the riots are started and they go, you know, the, like what the Johnsons decide not to, not to flee when, when shit's popping off. And so they get killed when everyone like goes to the, the, the expats like area. Why Whitney eventually is killed going after Elmisa. Right. Because right. Elmisa got to Whitney through Collins. Th- he through was Collins. played. He was used. Mm-hmm. So, but it, so here's the it, crazy he, it's thing. It's his fault. Everything is his fault. And he, all he does at the end is writes it off and says he did the right thing. He convinced he's so far. He's a, like you said, he's a drunk. He's so far down that path. He has no other options but to tell himself, I chose it. I made a stand. I chose a side. And, and, and it is what it is. Like this book encapsulates the danger of the saying, it is what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that, that just leads to so much apathy and, uh, so many moral, uh, gray areas. And no one, no one I've ever read in a story encapsulates the dangers of it is what it is more than this guy. He's he's a dangerous character. He's a very dangerous person. And he's in a position which allows him, he, his vices allow that danger to magnify. Because, dude, you just mentioned all of those things that he was a part of and he was the cause of. They're minuscule in terms of the global shift and balance of power that's described at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. I had thought the stakes were huge because of those characters. And then when we hear what happened to them, like, whoa, big stakes, lots of people die in attacks. Okay, big stakes, a riot, you know, this country's all upset. But it's more than that. He basically was, and I, I think it's still unclear, it, maybe it's both, if this was totally Iranian-backed, if this also had Russian backing, because it's straight out of the Russian playbook when they find uh, Elmice's uh, training manual. I really do think this is some sort of Iranian Russian deep deep op that upset the balance of power and now literally this is bananas. Iran has a gulf base in Bahrain right next to the Saudis from which they are going to basically shift the global balance of power. The Americans need to have a floating base for their fleet. His his actions, every time in this book he says, I did what I did, and I have no regrets on doing that. Every time he thinks he can trust Rashid, every time he's with Elmisa, all of that was literally leading to a global shift in the balance of power in, in the favor of Iran and possibly backed by the Russians. I'm like, that is just unbelievable stakes that throughout this book you have no idea is taking place the same way Collins had no idea was taking place. Yeah. And the relationship between him and Rashid is, is it also, I think one of, one of my favorite things about the book. It's really good. And how in the beginning it's set up again, because you're this unreliable narrator, you're being told like that Rashid just comes off as this like kind of dumb, not dumb, but like, you know, naive up and comer in this, you know, it's, it's, it's literally his only asset that he's been able to recruit his whole mm-hmm. time there. And shouldn't that just send off like warning signs to you that like, why you've only been able to talk to this guy and he's just feeding you all this information. Yeah. And you know, this all culminates with Rashid essentially getting the dirt on Collins by forcing him, by putting him in a situation where he has to kill. Well, one, he has to throw that. Remember when he throws the Molotov cocktail? Yeah. I was like, what's going on here? That was, that was like, holy shit. And then the killing of the police officer. Yep. Rashid was, was, was reeling him in with those little things. Yeah. And then when we're driving, so those little things, unfortunately were one of the reasons I almost didn't like this book because when the Molotov cocktail happened, I just go, that's ridiculous. And then when uh, when he killed the police officer, that made sense to me. But then when they randomly took a turn to go to this neighborhood and Rashid's like, we have to go out this way. I have to show you something. But he was just goading Collins to point out his boss's house and to give him the who's who, like who lives where, where's Whitney. 
I was like, why are we driving through this neighborhood? So many things felt out of place, yet they all, in the end, paid off. They all kind of made sense. This book is going to be so much better on a reread. Mm. When you, when that's, I, I, I almost wanted to reread it before we talked about it right. because one, you could see it. Yeah. You could, you, you know, what's coming. Well, will so you, you see it? I don't know. I don't, yeah, that's interesting. Like I want to see. Or you like the sparrow. Can you pick out, pick out things? Yeah. yeah. I, so I read the peacock and the sparrow. It's a little tale mm -hmm. in Arabian nights. And you know how she hints at it and generally gives like a little overview. There was somewhere in the middle where. It's like, oh, yeah, it's this tale about the sparrow, and I think it's a tale of, you know, being manipulated, and the king is what he's doing to the people, right? The tale's really good and makes so much sense for this book, and I think originally I came away with, like, okay, that was a thing that was mentioned once, and then when the mural was painted, I was like, okay, it was a piece of artwork. I don't know if I got it, and then I went and read The Peacock and the Sparrow, and I'm like, oh, my God, this little short, like three paragraph tale from Arabian Nights is the key. It's the analogy. It's, it, it unlocks mm. this whole book and, and everything that it was about. And I wish that was explained just a little more. I wish the tale was either like put in as a, an addendum or an appendix or something. I just think it's, it's really, it's a really cool lens. And I don't know if that comes through. Do you think it came through? Did you understand like what the tale was and how it, well, yeah, I got that. Like, he what the the peacock tells the sparrow that you have to do certain things, but in the end, everything that the peacock says ends up he ends up just losing anyways. Yeah. So, and it's supposed to be an allegory for what the king is, you know, essentially doing. doing. Like, you do everything I say, right? You're going to get this, but in actuality, you don't get any of that. Yeah, oh, but I thought that was interesting that she, the king, commissioned her to do this mural, and she chooses to do that like that that's that immediately was sending like warning 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 like yeah. she is a she's a dissident like she is not you know this mural is not going to stand for long as soon as he sees it he's going to be pissed off because he's going to know he'll know the story mm -hmm. the subtext i was just talking about this with uh a couple of friends we were talking about a, a couple of different movies but we we're talking about parasite and squid games and like there's so much it from a cultural context i've heard from some people and I've read like, it, unless you're Korean, right? Like knowing class divisions and certain stereotypes and this, this subtext, right? And it elevates those stories to mean so much more to someone of that cultural background. And I feel like because of I.S. Berry's time in Bahrain and understanding of, of the people and the culture and, and her career, she's doing that with the Peacock and the Sparrow connection. Yeah. And, and it elevates the title so much. Yeah, basically the, the Sparrow is late to work one day working under the king. And even though he has a high position, the king asks, why are you late? And the sparrow says, I saw this strange human who was catching birds, my fellow, you know, my fellow species with a net. And I thought, is that going to interfere with my own nest? Even though I'm high up, I'm close to you, the peacock, like, could this hunter or this farmer with his net come and capture me in my nest? I wanted to guard it. And the peacock basically scolds him and says like, no, don't worry about him. They're, they're not going to catch you. You're in with me. You're in it, right? And so the sparrow goes back and is like, oh, no, I'm protected. The king, you know, the peacock told me I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. And then the farmer slash hunter, whoever was, captures him, gets him in mm -hmm. the net. And it's like you, you were a fool to think you can escape destiny because of human privileges or human values. It was like destiny or fate is is the ultimate conveyor and don't just listen to a blind authority who's going to convince you otherwise it's interesting because that story could be used for the opposition side too right yeah you could you could use those you know wh whether it's the king is the peacock or rashid as the, the new leader of the opposition mm -hmm. you know they were used by iran exactly they're used by iran or like those people the people who wear rebellions don't succeed yeah you know, you you follow this leader, this this the leader of the rebellion, and if you're ultimately quashed down, like this this person said, we were we were going to win, but we yeah. don't. Yeah. Even when you do win, like Junaid got kicked to the side. Even when you lead that revolution, and I think that's true of the Arab Spring. Just look at Syria, right? Sure. How many of the groups and people who are in it to free the country, bring down the dictator? Look at Libya, right? Bring down Gaddafi. So many of those groups, I think 
underestimated the power vacuum because they were told through their revolutionary fervor, we will establish the next one. You know, think even their Iranian protesters who were essentially used to overthrow the Shah and then basically given no freedoms after that. You know, this revolutionary fervor is is essentially still being manipulated just by some other power that then can kick you to the side once they assume the throne. And so, yeah, whether you, whether the rebel, rebellion fails or wins, and what is uh, Rashid? He's in the Atomic Energy Commission or something. And eventually, they're like, he kind of got this low-level job. He was just kind of sidelined. Junaid as well became a nobody, even though he was the poster child. He was the spark of the revolution. I think it's just interesting that yet another peacock is going to come in and manipulate mm-hmm. the sparrows who thought they were the peacock or protected by the peacock. It's an It's an ongoing cycle. And yeah. I think a lot of people are used on our side, on their side, the good side, the bad side. And that's how complex and messy all of these these uh, movements are. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And like I thought that the, the title was aptly named once that that story, it was explained a little yeah. bit. And, you know, it got you thinking this this book is, like you said, very cerebral. It gets you at various points. I was really contemplating you know, implications in the past, in the future, like what's going on. There's every scene that Collins is in, he has a drink pretty much. Like right. m- mimosas with breakfast, like like a, a, a Mai Tai, like at a random place. Yeah. I, I want to talk about, what did you think of the end? And I kind of mentioned this before. That was the only part where I'm like kind of, and maybe it was the audio book, but the, you know, when we're in this like, quote unquote, race to the finish where he goes on this trip, like that that's sort of like the shift in this narrative we're, we're kind of linear you know yeah. going along and then as soon as he decides he has to go on this trip we it's juxtaposed between right before the trip the trip after the trip like it's it's sort of all everything's like happening at once and it, it, i was a little bit confused and i had yeah. to i actually had to re re-listen to some of those parts because of like where where we were what were we doing where collins is here i know actually he's here in the end, it all made sense. Yeah. But as I, I was, I was going through it. That was the only part where I was like, "Oh, what, what is going on?" I think I'll agree with you. That Cambodia trip, I think, is where it's funny because it's where you could lose the story, yet at the same time, it's about to be the catalyst that truly starts the plot or truly mm-hmm. starts the 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 action, the real plot, the actual yeah. plot. If you think of that, like you know, mountain slope or, or slope curve of of a traditional story we're for a very while flatlining through that initial establishment of the universe or the story the rising action there's what i'm looking for i, I honestly feel the rising action doesn't really kind of start trending up until you meet el misa but we're still not completely doing too much yet and then the cambodia trip where he's meeting shady people or i might even back up Maybe it starts building when he convinces the the guy on the ship to he boards the ship. Or actually, mm. that wasn't Cam- was that in Cambodia or no? No, that was that, that was, was in Manama. Yeah, Cambodia. So I think when he boards that ship and finds out there is a shipment that the admiral's caught up in, then the plot's kind of building of like, so is the admiral the bad guy? And yeah, and I guess right before that, when when we he has this suspicion that Whitney and Almisa are are together, are dancing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which that was them, right? At the house. So that I had that was another question. Because then because Jimmy and the boy are there later. Jimmy was also using it for his weird Yeah. Things. So when he enters it, he smells uh cigars. Yep. And he doesn't think like he immediately his mind goes to Whitney. Mm-hmm. But me, that was just screaming Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. And again, it's because he's drunk. Right. If he was sober, I think he would have been able to read the moment and know who it was. And we could have a more reliable narrator. He even says, so that's that's when I really started thinking something was funny when he says, I heard only the voice of somebody of a station chief, somebody who thinks they have that authority of a young, naive station chief. He's like, Mm -hmm. it was the voice of what can only be described as a young, naive station chief, fish out of water kind of guy. So I'm like, oh, it is Whitney. But then he takes that back a moment later and then he questions it. And then he's like, am I crazy? I didn't even see either of them. How would I know? 
So I'm like, did he hear the voice? Did he actually smell the Cuban? Did he see the shoes? He yeah, doesn't even know. I don't think, I don't think we're supposed to, there's supposed to be a definitive answer because I mean, ultimately, yes, Whitney they did and have an affair, had something. Right. Enough for Whitney she, to go after her. Right. It, it, it was serious enough for Whitney to leave his post to go to try to save so her. So it probably was them. Yeah. But I think it's also like clouded up know. with, with Jimmy, Jimmy also using the safe house, him being drunk. He doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one, one big confusion. Yeah. So anyway, all, all those kinds of details are boiling or are simmering. It doesn't spill over into a boil until he's got to bring the package back and go through the airport. Would you say in terms of suspense, that was the most edge of your seat moment when he's possibly being detained at the airport? Oh, yeah. When, yeah. when he has the diplomatic when package, he has the package pouch, yeah. yep. he goes in. And it's through this point where he's like, I am a good spy. Like he does his SDRs. He, he, he was green. He was, or he was black. Like I, yeah. I was black. He's even convinced that he saw the, uh, Waleed shoes, Waleed shoes. Like, Tracking like why would Cambodia? this, why what? would this Menomin, you know, ministry official be tracking him? Like, wouldn't he have used someone? I don't It's very, it was bizarre, but he's drunk. That's why. Like right. he, this guy thinks he's so good. Ultimately, he, he, you know, he's able to save, you know, save himself by getting out of that situation in, uh, in where is he in Belgium, right? Switzerland. Gets to Switzerland or no, he, he is, Swiss, you're right, right. But he is Swiss. Yeah, yeah, Swiss yeah, pass, yeah. passport, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if though, and that's where I'll say this again, and we were about to get there. Pacing is going to be my biggest gripe with the book. I just don't know if building up to all of that at what, maybe the 80% mark of the book, would you say? I, I don't know if that gave most readers enough of a chance to buy in. To figure all this out at the end was a whole lot of fun. But just the plotting is almost like I, I could see a number of readers putting this down and not even getting there. Like, mm. and And maybe you have to, as an author, make the decision to be okay with that. Because it makes it a work of art. It makes it a really, really genuine form of unique storytelling. But at the same time, I'm not sure if if we weren't covering this on the pod, if we weren't talking about it with our patrons, I don't know if I would have put in the work to get there and be able to have this discussion with you. And ultimately, could that turn readers off who drop this book halfway through? I, Interesting. Do you think the book does enough? In its first half, in its first 75%, as you're meeting the characters, to really create a story and a plot you care about that you need to keep reading. I don't think it does. I I think it's so loaded towards the end of having an actual plot develop. I kept going because we're talking about it, one, but also, two, I like the characters a lot. The characters and the setting bought me in enough to keep going, but plot-wise, I quite frankly – didn't care about anything going on through most of this book. And, and that's the, that's a big negative for me. And again, I don't want that to be replaced with whiz bang. You, you stay involved because there's these exciting cliffhangers that just come out of the blue and you need to kill somebody and something needs to blow up. Even, even the explosions in the beginning, the only thing interesting about them was Waleed said four, what said five and there were only four. And yes, that was a cool detail. Yes, that was like a mini little part of the mystery. But it didn't even matter, right? Because it didn't matter for a long time. No, but he didn't even he he just he honestly just messed up. Really? No, he was involved. Yeah, be, no, no, he wasn't because Rashid was the one who placed the bombs it, initially. I know Rashid placed the bombs, but did he not do it in cahoots with him? Was wasn't Walid their guy on the inside? No, Walid wasn't one of Walid's. Like Walid had a guy on it. Like there was a there's triple eight. There was a triple agent in. So all right, maybe he did know because the triple agent told him. There's that guy who is part of the ministry, but also part of the resistance. Right, 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 right. Who who avenged, who tripped them off? He he tipped off somebody about something. About the safe, uh, the 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 weapons cache, the weapons cache, right? Exactly, which is just like you had to give them enough to make exactly. them think you were playing ball to keep you around. The ministry just, thinks that they have a double agent in the, into the resistance, but the resistance is actually using him, yeah, 
to be their double to be their double agent. But dude, here's the thing. All of that is only explained to you in the final stretch of like 20, 30 pages at the end. I'm wondering about the 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 pacing of the plot and the reveal of certain details here. And I'm going to do one other thing here. Not to say it's a negative, and I don't want to armchair quarterback this thing. Unfortunately, that's something we do a lot that I want to move away from. But I wonder if that's the limitation of first person, right? The first person does so much that we just gushed over for half an hour, being unique, being gripping, giving you a different way of telling the story. But at the same time, the limitation is you can't reveal certain motivations in a way that keeps you interested. You can't have more hints about who's on what side other than some drunk rambling man's speculation that even he's saying I'm paranoid. I don't know if I trust myself. Is that enough to truly build the plot and make it suspenseful throughout? Or is it just relying on some big grand reveal at the end? Like almost the transition to revolution was too fast for me. Like Mm. the revolution was being built the whole time. It was Rashid's slow burn, but all of a sudden, Bahrain's taken over, and yeah. like well, some of that, the little riot. To show you how quickly it can happen. No, I understand that. I understand that. But some of the little riots we were in along the way, or like throwing the Molotov cocktail, didn't quite excite me. So mm-hmm. there were these moments earlier on that could have excited me, but just didn't. And instead, for all that to be pent up at the very end, to me, was just a, just a small miss of this book. I think for me. You said it. I, I was bought into the characters, and I wanted to keep reading because of like this weird. At times, it felt like a like a sing, not not a not a not a triangle, but like a singularity, like where he thought he was in this relationship, but you could kind of tell that Almisa, even though like he he says Almisa loved her, and I guess Whitney says that at the very end, right, that Almisa did love you. So I was intrigued by that relationship, and I wanted to know more about her. Also, like the the you could kind of tell early on that something something was up with the admiral, right? So I was hoping, like, yeah, and I would agree with you that like maybe there should have been a little bit more drops with him. And if you had third person, maybe you could you could have had a scene with just him or, or some other people. Well, it would have made some other stuff cheaper. Yeah, yeah. The the Whitney character is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just think that. That that's what was driving me. Like I just wanted to, and obviously we were going to talk about it, but I don't know. I could definitely see some of our listeners not, like you said, it not being enough for them. Yeah, and and not reading it. But I, I those it's those same people that I could see not wanting to read a spy documentary, the cold, not liking like Hooray or you know, or, some of the, or Damascus Station. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and again, that's a choice. And it's a genre difference and maybe it's better artwork. Maybe it's better literature because I I definitely – if you were asking me to categorize this book, I would put in espionage literature. You know, it's it's not even a spy novel in the cheap sense. It's it's espionage literature in kind of a high sense. And I I don't know what modern audiences want and kind of – I feel like I'm straddling two worlds of really wanting to love this book for the piece of art that it is. And the prose and the storytelling that it that it unveils. But at the same time, if you just want a very enjoyable novel, you know, sometimes we call them summer reads, beach reads. This ain't it. This ain't it. And should it try to straddle both worlds? I know I don't I don't think it has to, right? Like that's that's not our call to make. But are there limits to not trying to bring in some audience from that arena? And I and I just think. That's going to be a limitation of this book too. It's being marketed, you know, kind of in the same genre as your Mitch Rapp, your 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 Scott Harvath, your Brad Thor's, and I just don't know if that's the same circles that it should be running in. I could have a wrong read on that. To me, this is more of a like Gone Girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that other one? Uh, the the new oh, movie out of it with the the one from the- Sweden. The Gillian, yeah, oh, or yeah, very uh, much. Dragon so. tattoo, um, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Right, it's running a little more in those circles. A little more different, obviously. different, of course. But I would classify it closer to that than any sort of Mitrap, Brad Thor, you know, or like you said, Gray Man, yeah, yeah. right. It, which um, think of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, right? You watch that movie, 
and it's going to turn off modern audiences. I think mm. it's too much of a slow burn. It's it's too much of a thing. I would love game. to see this movie. But love the, to see this I movie. would love to see this movie. It, exactly. But at the same time, this is my point of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. You could read blogs or hear people's reviews that the movie is masterful. It's it's absolutely masterful. But then, like, we were hanging out with some movie reviewers on a podcast, the com majors. Who didn't like it. And almost nobody liked it. They're like, this movie yeah. just kind of was boring and sucked. And I, and I hate to say that about The Peacock and the Sparrow because I could see too many people who just want to read a fun book, pick this up, and be turned off by it. And, and that's a disservice to, I think, what I.S. Barry's trying to do and, and the people she's trying to write for and, and, I think, the people she's leaning into, the the literary giants before her. And just like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, it got it has shitty reviews on IMDb, right? Like people didn't like it. Where you make this into a movie, it's going to be a piece of art. You can have one of the top directors do it. You I would can, love to see Christopher Nolan do this. That's what I'm saying. Oh, hundred like percent. An Inception style, like the, like the the ending of this reminds me of like you know like the the reveal in Inception or. You know, like the reveal, all, all those reveals, and the, the get Oppenheimer of, vibes um, from this. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. It's just, I would, I, I, it's, I, just, I saw in her thing that it's sold. Like, it, someone has the rights to it, and I, I, I cannot wait for them to make a bomb ass movie out Dude, of this novel. Absolutely, but at, at the same time, there are going to be those critics out there. There's going to be those podcasters who are just <laughs> like, this was kind of boring, and it wasn't that much fun, and no action happens, and it's like. Screw you, man. You know, like not everything has to do that. And I understand I'm saying that. You're saying it. You're but, another white boy with a podcast. <laughs> Dude, but that have you have you have you heard that 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 music video? No. Oh, it's it, it's so funny. There is a Australian or New Zealand like dance group. They're a mix between like Lonely Geta, Island. Yeah, oh, Lonely Island, because they, they they or like Al Weird Al Yankovic. It's it's gotcha. <laughs> Like satire, but, but it's also satire, it's yeah, but it, yeah. So what they do is commentary. they they pull up uh, a white man with a podcast, like saying like spouting off some like either Joe Rogan or some bullshit, and then it, it cut immediately cuts to the song, and the the song starts another white boy with a podcast. <laughs> it's so funny. You you said it perfectly. Yeah. Well, thought between two worlds, just like Shane no. Collins. Even very much so. <laughs> very much like Collins. Three worlds, the world of the bottle. Very interesting character. Very. very One of the most complex characters we've read. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Samuel Joseph, that's the one in Damascus Station. Yes. Uh, If if there's any book we've read on this pod that we want to kind of compare this to, it'd be Damascus Station. It it Mm -hmm. really deserves to be talked about. Which McCloskey speaks very highly of this book. Right, exactly. And it should be talked about in the same circles. And with McCloskey, we talked about the show The Americans. And uh, Joe Weisberg, the creator of that, said the most realistic espionage story I've read. Heart stopping. Mm. You know, so true. So true. That's the book. All right. Peacock and the Sparrow. Do we do we do a scorecard? It's going to be a tough one to do a scorecard on, but I think we do. I think it deserves it. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. With everything we just said for the last 45 minutes, a giant asterisk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Again, so we have the same problem with all the books we brought up earlier talking about action. And if you want to grade it how we've been grading everything else on action, this is going to get a low score for action. I think it's it's going to be like around a four or three or four, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just because it doesn't have a lot. But again, it's not that kind of novel. So I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. What if you think of this book as a memoir? Mm. It's almost more of a memoir than like uh, of a of a fictional character, yeah. right? Because if this was a memoir and our scorecard says action, well, well, that's nonsensical because you know that's a genre that people's lives are more than action. You know, it sure. doesn't you, you, people's lives and stories that they have to tell don't care about if you want an action shoot 'em up scene. And sure. so I feel like giving a bad score on action here is almost a disservice because yeah. I.S. Barry's doing something so totally out of the box it defies that category so i would say it's a little closer to what we've discussed on the pod of like action slash suspense sure i think we should definitely rate it in that regard however i'll still say that's not the strength of this book so 
No. So if, if we're if we're classifying action slash suspense, then it's going to elevate that from the the score goes up. Score goes up, but again, it's not as high as some of the other ones. So I I, I guess like a six or seven, six and a half. Yeah, I yeah I think I'm going to go six there. Again, because it's told in this memoir format of an unreliable narrator, what should have been suspenseful, you know, a meet under the tree of life or a, a rendezvous with El Misa or trying to pass a curfew in a police checkpoint weren't written as if they were building suspense. It was written mm. as a blurry fog of a memory, sure. which was intentional. It's it's a good artistic choice. I I really like the plot. Like, yeah. B- besides like the, the slow burn in the beginning, which you know, the pacing a little bit. I thought that the plot was, was pretty good. I thought that was well executed. Um, yeah. I'm going to go high. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a nine for the plot. Mm. I think knowing what we know at the end of the book, a nine is completely justified. The plot is complex. It was planted. It, it, it The seeds were watered. We, the reader were pawns in Rashid's game. Yeah. Just as Colin so. was El Misa. I was captivated by her character, absolutely captivated by her. I would have loved to like been juxtaposed between her and Collins, like getting getting the true reading of mm-hmm. her and like being in her mind mm-hmm. and then understanding like what, what she's doing, you know, like kind of like they do on these TV shows where you sure. Homeland, right. whatever, you know, any, any you know, the Americans where yeah. you're, you're with both the antagonist and the protagonist right. or whichever one you watching want to call the same scene play out, watching yeah. the same scene play out. But yeah. Yeah. But again, then that under, it's almost as if I want that too, but because of the decision to tell this story, how you did, I don't want it in the book, but I want it as an appendix or I want it as like a postscript or I want it as the, like, the part two behind the story, you know, this what if you just, did, what if you did a sequel where it's, it's the entire story, but told hundred percent point of view, hundred percent. That'd be cool. I, that's, that's a cool, like, I'd absolutely you, you, cause you could that. do a lot. You, I'd like, absolutely want that. Her Rashid and Junaid and just how they cross paths, because that's a big part of it for me. And maybe this is going to affect my plot. So it does relate here. By doing the first person memoir from this narrator, I lost how the rebellion was being built. You know, like mm-hmm. I missed the Star Wars of it all. You know, I I almost wanted to see once I heard what Rashid and Elmison and crew pulled off, I almost want to see that happening. I want to be behind the scenes of that. Sure. Which I didn't know I wanted because I didn't know it was happening. Right. And it just makes me think something was lacking there. So I think you're right. In a separate book, that'd be an incredible thing to do. That'd be a feat. That would be tough. So anyway, plot, it all worked out in the end. I I want to go nine with you. As I'm reading the book, did it get me there along the way? Not really. So I I think I'm going to go seven and a half. Would you see, I I would put that more towards the buy-in. Buy-in? Okay. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Eight for the plot on its own merits, but a three and a half on the buy-in then. That's what I'm going to do. Right. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go for on the buy. Okay. All right. This is where it gets a little complicated. Bad who's guys, bad, good guys. Good, right. Who's bad? Who's good? Like the only like true bad guy is the is admiral, the king, and the admiral. I guess. Yeah. Uh, we can combine them. Just I was say gonna say ten points. Ten for the points characters. for characters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yep, for yep. this, I, I it's gonna be a strong score. Like yeah. all of them, very yeah. well written, intriguing. There's a few that I would have liked to, to delve a little bit more. Like I would have liked a little more Whit- like Whitney, like you know this like um, yeah. He, he doesn't even talk to his parents anymore. Like that 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 kind of thing. Like a little bit more with the admiral, how sleazy he actually is. Agreed. A little Love less cop- poppy. Yeah, I did didn't need her. And I get the point, right? You're you're trying to make the point of these two worlds, Almisa and what she's committed to versus sure. a bimbo versus like poppy, what but- he what he actually wants. Uh, a little less of her. I didn't. I didn't need her popping up as often as she did. But yeah, yeah. And the it was it. I guess like that was what she was trying to show. Like she would meet these people, like the preacher's wife who gets a boob job too. Right, like right. Uh, yeah, that's what preoccup preoccupies your days versus what preoccupies Rashid's mind. And you know, mm-hmm. 
the people, people are worried about the where slum. they're going to get their next caviar shipment. <laughs> exactly. But the only reason that they're able to afford caviar is because they're in this country that, you know, we're propping up their economy by being, you know, like. Right. So I, if we're going to combine them, it's a solid like eight. Strong cast of characters. Eight eight is probably right where I would land. I, I may, may lean higher just because of how creative it is with Collins and. Mm. Yeah, Collins, Collins is, a, is a strong. If you just take Collins, Elmisa, and, and Rashid, Rashid, that's up there, man. Yeah, if you just take those three, that's probably like a nine. Yeah, in that case, I'm going to go. Yeah, the whole cast of characters, though, is an eight. Some Jimmy still, I, I didn't quite understand. Yeah. I, I was waiting for him to play a bigger role, whether he was a complete villain or whether he was completely, you know, hit one foot in the other side. But we didn't get there. We just don't know. All we know is he was, you know, molesting boys. Like, okay, um, I don't know where I was supposed to go with Jimmy. So I'm just going to say an eight. I agree. Setting, I. No, it's a five out of five. I think it's a five out of five. That is, that could be the winner too, you know? Like, yeah. Did I tell you? Definitely. I spent about an hour on Google Maps driving around Street View of Bahrain. Oh, me too. That's so I went to the Tree of Life. Yeah, me too. I went to that resort at the southeastern tip of the island that they were yeah. talking about. The king With made the, this resort. The made up uh, man the made islands. Islands, yeah. yeah. I went around Manama. Oh, I found Dry Dock and a prison at Dry Dock. I went to where the um, Al Alia or wh- wherever the bombs went off. Like right. Where the. That little uh, like suburb. Aaliyah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I went on the causeway. I've seen a couple of videos of that causeway already. Yo, they blow the causeway in the end. Yeah. That was Dude, cool. the Sunni Shia, Saudi, Iran kind of thing, power broking in the Middle East is just. I think it's the Middle East is always brought into thrillers and novels, but always through like terrorists and extremist groups. Sure. It's so much more complex than that. And and this book explores that and goes into that kind of like Damascus Station did with the Syrian conflict. How there's right, being, so much more in this proxy between Correct. essentially America and either China or, right. or Russia, you know, like. right. Which it's real funny to then put Collins into that. And it's like, he thinks he's doing the right thing and a good job because the Americans are brokering peace. And sometimes the guy in power, the strong man is better than rebellion and chaos. So let's prop up a King. Let's give him weapons because that's better for America's self-interest than having a state run by a rebellion. Well, that all falls apart and we get to see the rebellion and mm-hmm. that rebellion does lead to Iran shifting the balance of power and, and the rebellion being kicked to the side who was actually freedom fighters that we also kind of wanted to support. So it's like, was the king better? Kind of like when you look at Libya, it's like, was right. the stability of a Gaddafi's reign, a terrorist who we supported and met with many, many times to keep in power before we didn't want to and we said you know we turned turned our face and said let's support the arab spring it's like what honestly was better one for american interests and what is better for the stability of the everyday people there to lose your rights or to be run by maniacs with no stability i don't know dude it's hard to it's hard it's hard to make that decision this book really makes you question that yeah very true the cover all right the cover man what do you think so it it's kind of cool so i think that's like one of their meeting sites right like when he's meeting rashid he has to yeah. meet one of these columns and he has those yep. what, green apple cigarettes and so and when he lights a smoke that's the only way he he sees that he's there yeah and it immediately checks the box off it has something to do with the novel yep i like the lettering you know they have like ever since whoever pointed out that that triple kit of, you know, three different color palettes, you know, that are different percentages. Seven, has that. 2010 or seven. Yeah. I like the red, the white, and you know, this, this blending of, of dark with the shadow. I wouldn't take Collins as a, as a, as a, was it a bowler hat? The hat. A, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't take him as Dick a, Tracy hat as a Dick Tracy hat, but you know, I guess he's supposed to be a spy. You know, it's a solid cover. It's cool. Yeah, it's good. I, I kind of like that. It has a little of those like throwbacks, uh, that vibe mm-hmm. of like uh, definitely. You could have put like you could put the spy who came from the cold on this, and I would believe it was this cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good, not great. I think that's where I'm going to settle on this one. 
Sure. Sh- it's it's like a three and a half four. I, I will say one thing that it going for it is the pattern, the the repeating pattern, and particularly the shadows on the ground almost look like peacock feathers. I don't know if that's mm. a little too on the nose. The red and the green, the black, and and then the, these looping shadows on the ground. Oh, that's cool. And the spacing yeah, of it, them, and and the spacing kind of looks like 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 feathers. Yeah, it really does. Red for the sparrow. I don't. Is it a is it a four though? Is my question. Mm. It's flirting with four. It's a it's like a three point seven five. It really is. It really, really is. <laughs> I'm gonna round up to a four. We don't do seven fives here. I'm gonna round up with you, but that's a very generous round. It's, up. it's a very generous that. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Who's your winner? What's your free space? This is gonna sound cheap. But I.S. Barry, I think you're taking a risk. I think she's doing something completely different. She's challenging readers. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Taking a risk to challenge readers in a way that sadly I think is not going to land for everybody. But you don't sacrifice that for the story you have to tell and in the art, you're, the artwork you're trying to create. It just goes to show you that like, the New Yorker says this is the, one of the best novels of the year. They're not going to call Don Bentley's next Code book. Red. No, <laughs> yeah, like the best novel. You know, yeah. there's there's a certain clientele there, and she's able doubt. to uh, grasp that. So yeah. a Jack Carr novel is never going to get that designation. No, but but they're not deserving of it. That was my point before about the two worlds. They shouldn't be getting those plaudits. No, exactly, because exactly. they're number twenty, whatever in the series. You know, they're writing in such a different way for a different purpose. Than someone like her coming onto the scene with this book, it, honestly, a debut, right? Yeah, this is is a really good debut. Strong. That's a really strong debut, very creative debut. But it's not without its risks. So I know it's a little cheap, but I'm going to give her the winner because I th- I think that's really bold, really smart, and and hats off. All right, oh man, I could do a lot. Is it is it too cheap to say Collins like this? Very unique, like it's kind of tied into yours, but there's this unique choice to have. It, it reminds me of well, what was the other novel? Um, Dennis Lehane, and he's not. She's not. He's not psycho, but he's just drunk. Uh, what is it? Oh, Shutter Island. You know. Like, oh yes, yes, yes. Like you know, when you're reading something and you're you're getting his point of view, but in right. actuality, it's like something completely different. Like like very you know, much like that. She's able to pull on all these other like literary giants behind her, yeah. and like put weave her own like story into it. So I think that choice, it, mine's kind of like a riff on yours, but yeah, uh, that's that, that's what I would give. Yeah, just the choice to put Collins, have him be who he is as your your main story the story's told through him like kind of like you said it's a memoir uh, his memoir um this unreliable narrative this drunkard someone who thinks he's a an amazing spy but in actuality he's he got played big time big time uh so yeah that, i thought that was cool yeah fantastic well th- well this quote puts together both of our winners is barry and shane collins the level of writing in sentences like this were a knock out of the park. Espionage was a game, and if a spook wasn't playing, he was either irrelevant or dead. Mm, I remember that one. Yeah, Shane Collins was very much both of those things most of his life and didn't even know it. Yeah, irrelevant and in the end, essentially dead. And he thought he was playing the game at the top level. Like that's right. woof. Right. All right. There it was. The Peacock and the Sparrow. There it is. I can't wait to talk about it with our patrons. I think we're going to have a lot of different voices in the room, and that's a good thing. But I wonder how much they're going to like it. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yep. All right. What are are we doing next time, Mike? Well, we are actually, we referenced them here a little bit on this pod. We are going back to Don Bentley. Mm. Matt Drake, book number three and four. We said those would be our February and March books. Because we're going to get some news in the Mitch Rapp series. So I think the title. We also got to throw in uh, two more books because of his stupid. Uh, not stupid. Because I am in. Because uh, the new book is going to take place between Pursuit, Pursuit of, Honor of Honor 
and last man so yeah. obviously we should read both those yeah so guys we've been strong to start 2024 on the thriller podcast we completed our january goal of ripping through sons of valor by andrews and wilson the next few weeks we are going to be off the thriller podcast heavy on the mitch rap podcast we got to read two throwbacks to vince flynn try to figure out where don bentley's going to put his next book we probably will get a title reveal and maybe a cover reveal in the ensuing maybe weeks. Maybe an interview with Don Bentley? We are definitely going to get an interview with Don Bentley. They have requested it come out a little closer to the date of the okay. arc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to have to wait to have Don on till then, but we'll be busy on the Mitch Rap podcast feed. Head over there. Make sure you subscribe. Keep up with that coverage. But what's going to be our next? Well, have we been putting the Matt Drake series on the Thriller Pod or we on have. the Trap Pod? We, we moved have. it to Thriller Pod. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk Don Bentley here on this podcast, but with a heavy Mitch Rap kind of focus as we get ready for his Mitch Rap book. All right. We got to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F. and Jason, our special agents, Ben, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Peggy, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at Thriller Podcast. And as always, just like Collins, be Collins. But then the second you brought up the shit about uh, Collins being drunk and everything from his perspective, and he even can't recall everything accurately, and it's essentially a flashback, a weird kind of memoir flashback. It is, yeah. As soon as you said that, I'm like, okay, the Molotov cocktail scene made more sense of how he's trying to recall and justify it. I just threw it. He just handed it to me and I was like, okay, I might as well do this while I'm reading it. I'm like, that's the action and suspense. That's going to make me care and go, Oh, we just had something exciting happen because it's been boring. You're not going to get me involved. It was so stupid in the moment. I was, I was was thinking the same thing, but then when I started to realize, Oh wait, it's, he's trying to justify this in like, as he's telling us. Yeah. Yeah. And there must be something about Rashid making him do that, that he's trying to say, he didn't make me do it. I I, I chose to. I chose to do it. Yeah. 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 And I was like, that was so weird. But that being weird paid off in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even, we didn't even. We didn't say uh, the final. The final score. Oh, whatever. Yeah. 40, 41 and a half. People can count. Or I could put in a little postscript right here. After telling the people they can count. <laughs> yeah, we did. We, I don't know. We just, I immediately jumped to, we gave our thing. And... I think though, you really got me up. I probably was a, initially thinking mid high thirties. I meant to say this. I think this is the kind of novel. All right. Let me just say, this is the kind of novel you have for a book club. This is a very good book club. novel. Agreed. Because Agreed. it's a, I think it's a story that multiple, multiple, types of people would enjoy like read hate not like mm-hmm. and then you get them all in one one room talking to each other and then you you sort of hash out these things and you, you bring your light and people change their scores bring them down bring them up whatnot it's different than like it's hard to have a book club outside of like maybe me and you and our patrons for you know protect and defend uh right. you know like that we're the only crazy, insane people that are like picking apart and trying to find literary nuance in these things. You know, people might think we're crazy that we just we do this, but we love these novels so much. Whereas this, we already said it. Like this is different. It's a different kind of novel. This is way more of a bigger audience. I would say. Would, wouldn't you agree? I would say wider in that. Yes, it it can be on a lot of book club lists. Like, mm-hmm. no doubt, this will be on some of those celebrities who post their book club books or in intelligence officer circles, expat circles, military circles, you know, it could fit into all of those things. The one thing I don't think it fits well into is summer beach read for people who like the suspenseful thrillers. Sure. So yes, wider audience in many regards, more mainstream, if you will. You should ask Rosie to read this. Oh, I want to get her take on it. I am not stepping into the world of her book club anymore. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> what did what did they read? That I've exited Damascus Station. I thought Damascus Station for the romance, for a little of the Arab Spring, the politics, 
the setting, the world, world building, the the traveling, globe trotting. Almost nobody read it, and the ones who read it were like, oh, "I guess it was kind of okay." I'm like, "But Proctor, isn't she an amazing female?" Because they're all feminists and all this. Isn't she an amazing female character? And, all? and they're like, "No, nah, she was kind of a trope. She's kind of cartoon." I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "What about Mariam working inside the Syrian royal, you know, the palace, and she's of the of the Syrian elites, but she's she's a Christian, and so she's torn." And like, eh, I mean, she was just kind of a side piece for a main male character, and they used her. And I'm like. No, no, no. Mariam was her own person. I was like, you know, it was just so that the main character could have a, a woman with him. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so I'm out. I'm out. You're out. Out. You're out. out. Okay. Yeah. So I think a 40 and a 41 are fair for this novel. Agreed. Yeah. I, yeah. I could see it being higher based on your particular scoring methods or your, your per- personal genre preferences. This could be a 44 or 45 for some. And I, I, power to you i Mm -hmm. i would understand your rating and if some people give it a 35 it just shows you know what kind of reader they are and that's fine too they just like something different Mm -hmm. so there's something for everyone here if you're willing to take the plunge different strokes different books there we go